What's good? This is Kelsey, founder and fearless leader of Dope. You are zoned in for an episode of Soberpreneur, a look at what happens when we deal with our past shit, talk openly about that shit, and go do other awesome shit. On this episode, you'll hear from Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. We talk about her passion for getting the garbage out of products, Hint's expansion beyond water, and I ask for some pointers in navigating the world of retail. Here we go. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Soberpreneur. I am so ridiculously excited today. Uh, we've got Kara Golden from Hintwater uh, joining us, and I'm really, really stoked to hear more about your story. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Very fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, so for those crazy people in the world that may not know, what is Hintwater? So, uh, well, we started out as a water company that has real fruit in the, in the drink and it's used for taste. So think of water with fruit in it, um, no sugar, no diet sweeteners like stevia in it. And so it's really the purpose is and was and is, is to help people enjoy water. No sweeteners, no erythritol, nothing. And so, um, so we uh, we launched with the water, and then a few years ago, um, I started seeing more and more categories that were not uh, really doing it for me, including sunscreen, and and kept thinking, why isn't somebody actually creating a sunscreen without oxybenzone in it that actually uh, uses fruit for scent versus fragrances? And um, so I developed Hint Sunscreen, and then uh, we're, we're actually coming out with our third um, product category, which is uh, deodorant. And, so cool. um, and No more so, just Hint water. It's just Hint. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so it's all called Hint. And um, yeah, and so we launched, uh, we're launching that the week of uh, the 20th. And so... Yeah, so very exciting. That's awesome. It's really neat to see you apply kind of this concept of like, how could I simplify and get the crap out of, you know, water? And now it's sort of like, what are these other product categories that need a little refresh, um, need a take on getting a cleaner profile? So really neat. Um, for one, I love your water. I've had so many of the Hint Waters. You guys did some like 99 bottle like order or something and yeah. I was all over it. <laughs> yeah. So um, big okay. fan. I, I got my brother to try some and I was cracking up. He said that he thinks Hint Water is like a peach walked by you and went, <laughs> like That's just so breathed funny. on you. Just some light. It's like the most subtle uh, taste, but it's really, really it's nice. I have a funny story about the peach. You can tell your brother. We years ago, when we developed the peach, we uh, we came up with the idea of peach when we were um, in Georgia, and we were on vacation in Georgia, and and uh, it it was funny because we we were like, yeah, we can really do this and do it well, and and uh, and then we came back to San Francisco and somebody was walking by our office and said, gosh, I really like, you know, hint a lot, but, um, you know, I'm like, uh, there's certain flavors that you got, thank goodness you guys don't do or something. And we're like, what is that flavor? And she said, oh, I'm from Georgia. And so I don't think that, you know, I'm glad you guys don't do a peach because nobody does peaches really uh, like well. Doesn't do it justice or something. Yeah. yeah. And so we, um, so like, we, uh, <laughs> we were like, oh, we, we just did a peach and we want you to try it. And she's like, I don't really want to try it because I really like you guys a lot. And so, and I'm not going to like, like this flavor and I'm just, it's going to bum me out. 
And so she um and so she tried it and she was like, "Oh my god, thank you so much. Like you guys have finally oh, awesome. like, delivered it." Yeah, so Like you got that stamp of approval. That's so great. funny. I yeah. love that. That's kind of yeah. um I got to meet famous Amos the other day and him trying my cookie dough was kind of that same moment of like he yeah. he approved it and he's like, you know, the famous Amos like cookie guy. So um, That's so crazy. Yeah. He's like almost 90 years old now. He happened to be on the news one morning, like right before I was going to be on. And uh, yeah, he's just like still kicking happy as can be. And the guy that made the famous Amos recipe. So he tried our cookie dough and he was like, you can eat it. Like there's no eggs. Like I don't, you know, he just couldn't understand That's it. <laughs> That's so, fun. so funny. That's pretty awesome though. That's definitely a stamp of approval to get someone from Georgia approving that, that water. Yeah, um, that was great. So if you take it way back, when did uh, Hint get started and kind of what was the origin story that um, propelled you into it? So I came from tech. I did not, um, I started my career actually in publishing. And, yeah. And then it was in tech and, and I, uh, I had at that point three kids. I have four kids now. Um, but after baby number three, I was really trying to get in shape and lose the baby weight. And um, I had developed terrible adult acne, which I didn't even have like as a teenager. And I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I went to a bunch of different doctors and they were like, you have to stop eating cupcakes and you have to like start working out. And I was just like, I'm not doing any of that. Like yeah. I'm like that almost starving <laughs> on certain days. And, yeah. you know, and so I was really focused on, you know, working out and what I was eating. And then suddenly I just like looked down at the ingredients in my diet Coke that I was drinking. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm putting in my body. Like I remember thinking that I like actually – cared more about and and was more cautious about what I put in my car than what I put in my own body. And so I was just really like, you know, sort of like having this epiphany on like, maybe it's actually like the drink. But then I kept thinking, no, it can't be. It's diet. Yeah. And so it's know. crazy, like what power that marketing has over people's brains, like the constant like trends of, oh, it's low fat or it's, you know, diet this totally. or sugar free that. But you don't realize what else is actually going in it no. to achieve those and, things. And what's so crazy is like I, you know, basically just decided I'm going to swap my Diet Coke for plain water and just see what happens for a couple of weeks. And so I did that. And then I lost, uh, I, well, I was trying to lose over 50 pounds, like over the course of like a couple of years. Actually, my girlfriend who lives in Las Vegas, like probably... I, she laughs when I say this because I I uh, I remember her saying to me like no way you don't need to lose that much weight like you you like wear your weight well or something I was like what does that mean like wear your weight well like I was just like it's crazy and um and it's not so like you do have too much weight but you look like okay or you're you look okay well. like yeah. I was just like oh Funny. my god that's awful yeah and so anyway so I end up like thinking okay I do want to lose some weight maybe I don't like want to lose this much weight. But the key thing too was really my skin and sort of how I felt overall in the energy. So anyway, I ended up getting, um, start drinking plain water, which I also realized was like a chore for me that I was never, like I grew up in Arizona and I just never really liked water. I found it really boring. And so um, two and a half weeks later of only like not really consciously changing my food patterns, but instead focusing on, you know, swapping out Diet Coke for plain water, 
I lost over 20 pounds, 24 pounds in two and a half weeks, which is a lot of weight. Like it's like, you know, I was just like, oh my God. Like I was just like, you know, I had a lot of energy, but I had also felt like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. And so, um, so, you know, I really started at that point to think about, you know, the diet sweeteners. And I mean, I had always like been told, like, if you have diet sweeteners versus like regular sugar, then you're like, you know, you're doing great. Right. And I thought, like that's that's like, like lesser of two evils yeah yeah it's it, I, I didn't even think it was lesser of two evils like I really thought like it was like healthier in some way and then so then I really started digging in you know to how do I maintain this because I was so bored with water I started slicing a fruit and putting it in the water and then I really started what I thought was the most fascinating thing was that I started looking at my food consumption at this point and you know if you call it food and at, at this point, but I found that every time I had a Diet Coke, I would like within two hours, I'd actually want something sweet. And so I was constantly like grabbing gum, grabbing candy. And then I started looking at like what that was doing to my body. And like, as I always say to people, like, look, it's one thing if you're going to, you know, have, you know, dopey or if you're going to have like a cake or, you know, or whatever. But actually like you know people think that when they're having something like diet coke that they're you know that they're doing better and they're actually like continuing to tell their brain that they're like to go ahead and crave sweet over and over again and the, the scientific you know that there there's no science around the idea that you know a zero calorie versus a you know full you know, sugar calorie that you get is actually going to be, you know, better for you. In fact, there's a lot of people who actually claim that, you know, these diet sweeteners are what is causing, you know, this influx and of, you know, type two diabetes. I mean, the majority of type two diabetes patients today are claiming that they've been living a low fat lifestyle, a diet lifestyle, and, you know, they're exercising and they're coming up with these, you know, problems that are probably linked to insulin resistance. So I always tell people like, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I got angry, frankly, about like diet sweeteners. Cause I really felt like, you know, as a kid, I was eating sugar moderately, right? And then I just decided, well, I can do whatever I want now that it's like diet sweeteners. And I think for me, the skin issue was the thing that really started to affect me, that I was just like, there's something wrong inside of me. And my skin is actually, you know, the large and it's telling me something responding. And so, so now, you know, in addition to sort of like running a beverage company and doing lots of other things around clean water and sort of social issues. I'm also, um, you know, really, really uh, against, you know, the diet sweetener market. And I'm, you know, much more like, I'm like, look, if you're going to have sugar, like have sugar that is not as processed and, you know, do the best you can, but also like, you know, know that sugar should be a treat. It shouldn't be something that you're doing and, you know, and it's always it's, like everything in moderation, like at the end of the totally. day, uh, there's got to just be a, a place for it versus it being your, you know, every waking meal. <laughs> totally. 
Exactly. Which is what, you know, I think we live in a society where, you know, in particular, I, I think, you know, it's funny, I just, I'm in the process of writing a book and I was doing some editing and, and my editor said this to me that, you know, I grew up in a time when, like, I always talk about like before Diet Coke for me was tab and my mom was drinking tab and my mom played tennis. tennis and so I like grabbed a tab and I was kind of like, nah, I'm not really into the tab. It had this kind of funky taste to me. But then Diet Coke came out and I am, I was like an early adopter to, to Diet Coke. Like I very early on, I was like, oh my God, it's like, you can drink this all day long. And I was a competitive gymnast and, you know, I like, hated water. So I'm like, oh, I'll just drink this. There's water in there some it, at some point. But again, science behind it, like nobody really wants to do the work to really like figure out like what it's ultimately doing to your body. So I've just become this huge advocate, um, you know, also for for just food and beverages overall, that it's just like, you know, there's some of the healthiest people out there are, you know, just that are, are having sugar in moderation and, you know, and like, yeah, I think it's like two things, like letting the general public have the awareness of what's in what they're consuming, yeah, not totally. the facade of, Oh, it's a diet. You're, you're fine. Or, Oh, it's sugar free. You're fine. But it's got all this crap in it. Um, and then yeah, consuming it in moderation. Like if, if those totally. two things could happen aligned, um, like people all the time are like, how are you so skinny? You run a cookie dough company. And it's like, yeah, but I like work out and I don't eat cookie dough for every meal. And I, no, you know, there's really. like, there are, uh, yeah, there's ways to do it where you don't have to just suddenly become 300 pounds, though that may sell me as a more effective cookie dough business runner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a really big thing. In answer to, so, you know, just in answer to your original question. So at that point, I mean, I think I just thought like, wow, it just, you know, this is helping me drink water so much if I can actually help people just by bringing a product to market. But I didn't even think I wrote a business plan. But honestly, like I didn't even think it was like, I didn't even think it was a company. I had worked at like companies before. And I kept, I, I kept telling people like, they're like, Oh, that's so cool that you started this company. And I'm like, is it a company? They were like, of course it is. And I'm like, no, it's like a couple bottles of water. Like we have three flavors. That's a that's a product. It's not a company. And so I always laugh because I'll talk to entrepreneurs and, you know, they're, they're like sort of the opposite of me. Like I wanted everybody to hate my product. Like I was like, it's not really, you know, I mean, it's good and stuff, but it really helps me and hopefully it'll help other people too. But I was like not realizing the potential. Yeah, I wasn't like, oh my God, we're gonna be the next $4 billion company tomorrow. Like I instead, like I've always led with this company can actually help people enjoy water. And I really, really believe that. And, you know, I believe that, you know, that the science behind, you know, that disease and, and lots of things, you know, is, is really, you know, scary. I mean, what's, what's happening to our society around health, people are getting sicker. They're not getting, you know, they're, they're not getting, you know, better. Although I did see recently that, you know, cancer rates have actually gone down in the US, which I think is really interesting. But I think that, unfortunately, longer term health issues like type two diabetes, like, you know, cholesterol are still very much on the rise. And so, 
I, think I wonder if the decline is from smoking, total tangent, but maybe from the uh, decrease in smoking, you know, that's just changed so much in the last 10 years, maybe. Um, well, I think it's also prevention. Like I think, you, know, you look at, you know, you look at breast cancer, for example, I mean, the odds of if you catch breast cancer early, you know, that your odds are pretty good that you're going to be, that you're, you're going to be able to, you know, survive. Right. Um, and, and even things like leukemia. I mean, I know that like my nephew had leukemia, he had adult leukemia when he was 10 years old. And, you know, it was like back then, I mean, his chances of survival were really low. I mean, I know people now who have gotten leukemia and it's actually like pretty high, like rate of survival if you catch it early enough. So, but having said that, like, I, I also believe, you know, type two diabetes is the number one um, indicator for women's heart disease. And so, you know, you look at somebody like, you know, that, you know, misses, misses the fact they end up, you know, missing that they have type 2 diabetes and then they go right. and get heart disease. Could have disease. been a lead on signal. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been a signal to say like your body does not know how to process whatever you're putting into it. And like, why aren't we talking that way? Like, why are we instead just putting Band-Aids on, you know, our health? Why aren't we, you know, telling people to like, listen to their body? Like, it, whether you're... So, so anyway, I, I really look at this as like a way to sort of help and, you know... And it's funny you were saying that, um, you know, it didn't seem like, oh, it was going to be some big business at first. And perhaps that's exactly why it's as successful as it is, because there's such an authentic purpose behind it. You really had a a passion about what it was going to do for the world instead of just, you know, wanting to make money and make a giant thing. So, um, yeah, I think that goes a long way. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting, as I mentioned to you, I've got this book coming out next fall and, and, you know, something that I've been super passionate about in the last year is, um, you know, I'm sure in your business, you've, sort of stumbled on upon a lot of things and, you know, just like, you know, a lot of information that maybe your friends don't know about sort of food production and et cetera. And, and so, you know, I've learned a ton about water over the last 14 years and our water supply, you know, our municipal water supply is not as clean as we're being told. And it varies greatly. Um, we have 10 different plants throughout the U S and, and so, actually don't use preservatives in our products. So it's very important to actually get everything out of the water supply prior to putting in fruit. And we're regulated by the FDA because we use fruit because it's considered a food product, unlike traditional bottled water companies. Like I was called the cheap ones that are, you know, like 36 bottles for three bucks at Walmart. Like they do not actually have the same regulations that we have. And so through it all, I've learned and seen that there's, you know, lots of things like lead, PFAS, arsenic, all these things that are in water supplies. And again, we put our water through reverse osmosis to get all of this out. Um, but along the way, um, I've ended up, you know, again, it's been part of the journey, but we we tried to get into um, the school lunch program, the federal school lunch program a few years ago and long, crazy story, but the dairy association actually owns the rights to, you know, put a carton of milk on everybody's tray and they have a contract. And anyway, I did my best 
to actually, you know, try and make that happen. It didn't happen. And anyway, I ended up meeting a ton of like nutritionists and every state across the U.S. who started sharing with me that there's, you know, lead in a lot of the school drinking fountains and that, you know, many states don't test for it. Even when they do test for it, they don't have the money to actually put new pipes. And so the stuff is not like the fountains aren't even getting turned off, et cetera, et cetera. So I would hear this and I'm like, of course, like I've got, I see the exact same thing in my plants. And what's so sad is I've always been a proponent when people have said to me, like, why should I drink your product? Like I like tap water. I'm like, you probably shouldn't. Like our product is really for people like me who want a little something extra in their water tip for taste. And so I, but I've always been like a proponent for, you know, tap water and, and people who can't afford water, like they should be able to have access to clean water. I've always said that since one. And so, um, and so I started uh, questioning the FDA and I, and the EPA on like, why is it that, for example, the FDA looks at our plants but he doesn't, they don't look at traditional bottled water plants and in the same way. And then also like, why is it that the EPA, I mean, lead, for example, is, is tested today in 30 states. The other 20 states, we don't even test for lead and consumers don't know that. Like when, if you talk about lead and water, like the majority of people, if they know anything about, you know, clean water at all, they'll say, oh, Flint, Michigan, right? That's like the poster child for it. And people assume that Flint, Michigan got figured out. And the sad thing is, is like, they didn't have the money to fix it. They went to the EPA and the federal government to fix the problem, which is the way that the system's supposed to work. And the federal government said, sorry, it's your problem. They never came. So the, so the lead levels have just increased. Like, it's just, I mean, Michigan is not just Flint, Michigan. It's a disaster for clean water. So anyway, I've just learned all this knowledge about water. And so right now, we're actually, um, I'm trying to uh, propose a bill and draft a bill to Congress to actually make mandatory testing happen at the state levels, um, at, particularly in schools, so that, uh, so that kids in particular, everybody, but also our kids can have access to clean water. And so I've been, you know, in Washington a lot trying to make this happen. Unfortunately, we have all these impeachment hearings going on right now. And so, you know, that's been a little bit challenging. So we're hoping sometime this spring that we can actually bring it in. But again, it just goes to, you know, I, I, I challenge every entrepreneur who has, you know, come up with an idea that they call disruptive to actually share, you know, how they see the world can be better in some way. And sometimes it might mean that you need to take this to Washington. You need to, you know, create products, for example, that are not just great for consumers, but also, you know, we were one of the first oxybenzone free sunscreens that was on the market. People are like, oh, if you do this right, like all these sunscreen companies are going to, you know, copy you. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, that's great. Like, I want to lead. Supporting a need. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think like that is really, you know, what I hope is, is my legacy, right? To be able to, 
you know, really develop, you know, not just products, but also lead people in the right direction. Around yeah, I mean, uh, like entrepreneur slash change maker, you know, you're actually really trying to drive real change. Would you say some of the work you're doing on these bills and whatnot, uh, driven and backed by Hint as well? So it's kind of like a corporate social responsibility effort? Yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely. Yeah, but it's it's really my passion project. I mean, I, you know, I it's funny, I was talking to a reporter about this initiative right before the holidays and they were like okay but what's in it for hint and i'm like nothing i mean like hint, like maybe people will hear about it and they'll be like oh that's those people at hint and you know they'll like like us better because we're actually getting involved and trying to you know change the problem that we see but you know hint isn't gonna like it's not an obvious oh they're gonna go make more money just because they're they're like working on this issue. I mean, I I don't want water supply to be cleaner. Like I I think it's is it too much to ask? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. crazy. And you know, unfortunately, yeah. you know, we've got it's you know so easily overlooked because you assume it would be solved and handled. I mean, do you, did you know that? Did you know that like twenty states don't test for lead in the water? Like, literally, it's just, no idea. Yeah, crazy. I. I guess the only thing I knew about water was that it occasionally doesn't taste as great in some states. And I don't know why. I don't know what's in it. I don't know why it's different. Uh, you just trust that the government is giving you something safe and you fill up the glass and drink it. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're living in a society today, which is a longer conversation. But it's like we're living in a society today where, you know, people are told to trust. And, you know, and we do. And just like go with the flow. No pun intended. Right. I mean, you assume there's somebody really like watching this stuff. And, and I mean, it's, it's pretty scary. I mean, when you look at like, you know, there are definitely pockets of, of cancer rates, for example, where, you know, as I just mentioned, like cancer rates are going down in certain places, but you look at, you know, places like Michigan and they're not actually going down. And why is that? Is it because the water supply is so bad. Like it's just so, this kind of stuff again, like I love it. You, know, you it's go, girl. Like, look, it's it's scary to talk about, right? People don't want to, you know, talk about it for lots of different reasons, including it's, you know, it's not a sexy conversation and one that you smile about, but it's or you know, it could hit your pocketbook when you look at like real estate values if you start talking about your community as not having like great water, for example. But what I'm pointing at is like we have to get together and change infrastructure. This is like, I mean, the U.S. today is known all over the world as being like the cleanest water. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, we've seen societies all over the world, all, countries all over the world that, you know, have huge medical issues because they don't have access to clean water. And it's like, we should, we need to take this stuff very seriously. And, you know, first focus on lead. There's other issues like PFAS that are growing rapidly as well. And, you know, and we need to build awareness around it and really do something about it as entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think that's so awesome. And um, even if there's no, you know, immediate kickback for Hint or something, it's definitely like, it's why corporate social responsibility works because you are doing something that's good that your consumers would care about. People who would want to buy yeah. Hint would care about that. Um, yeah. end goal. So it's pretty awesome. I don't know how much you know about DOPE. We do the DOPE for Hope initiative. Um, we raise funds and awareness for mental health and addiction recovery. And it's kind of that same boat of like, 
uh, no giving away proceeds to, you know, these different nonprofits doesn't immediately um, serve dope's revenue, but people who buy from me and who care about our mission are excited that, you know, their purchase is going towards something good. So yeah, it all, it all kicks back. That's super awesome. That's so great. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been fun. I think it's like, I'm sure with you, it like keeps the drive alive. It's like really something to keep you going every day when it is really crazy and really hard. You know, you get that email from someone whose life you've touched or you get, you know, some bill passed in Washington, for goodness sakes, like that's going to feel pretty damn good. So that's awesome. That's super, super, super cool. So cool. Um, So let me take it way, way back then. What were you doing before Hint? And how would you say life is most different today? I'm sure there's a few things. Oh, my God. So I you know, I started my career actually in publishing and uh, in New York City and uh, was a double major in journalism and finance. And I always thought I'd disrupt by writing. And I was super interested in in finance and uh, initially really scared by finance. And then I sort of, it clicked. And then I was like, oh, okay, like I'm going to go work for Fortune magazine. And they never hired me. And so I ended up working in circulation and um, doing subscriptions and a lot of the e-commerce side of, you know, the business today that I learned so much in that time. And then I went to, um, I was managing airline circulation at time. And then I ended up going to CNN and worked for CNN and, and initially launching the monitors. So you can partially thank me if you're sitting in an airport and watching the news. I helped get um, those monitors into airports and try and figure out those businesses. And then ended up doing ad sales and then moved to San Francisco. And when I moved to San Francisco, that's when I worked um, for a little spin out of Apple that was a Steve Jobs idea that was doing CD-ROM shopping. And so um, and so I you know, was very early in e-commerce and um, went to work for this company in 95, super early. And then uh, and then for seven years was was growing the e-commerce. And after that, that's when I decided I had a couple of kids at this point and I decided I'm going to take a break and really figure out like if I've only got a couple more gigs in me, do I like want to stay in tech or not? Hey guys, we had a small blip in our recording here, but we're going to cut to a conversation where I asked Kara what the right move is to get your product into distribution, pros and cons of retail versus food service and more. All right, here we go. And, and again, like nobody like wrote the book on that for me when I was starting Hint. It was just like, you know, it's it's some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about in my book too. It's just like these, you know, it seems obvious, right? I'm telling you this, but like there's no book that's actually telling you this stuff. And, you know, and, and I think that that's, you know, that that's the, the thing, you know, as well, like in, in just growing these businesses, it's like I've learned so much along the way. And, you know, and I also think that, you know, when I look at food service, for example, I mean, that was the beauty of like working with the Starbucks or, you know, we're in Compass and Bon Appetit that does all of the like Facebooks and Googles and all the rest of them. And I feel like they do all the like tech firms, for example, like they, you don't merchandise like you do in a, a Kroger, right? You are like, basically you sell them the product and they actually like merchandise the product. And so they're not, you know, so it's, it's less man manpower for you. And, you know, basically it 
like either works or it doesn't work. But I think it's just different types of different distributions like require different things, right? And so, you know, that's what I've, that's the key thing that I've learned along the way, you know, and so it's not just about, you know, meeting buyers. Like, I mean, the number of times that we, we still do uh, Expo West. Um, now we do Expo East. We stopped for a few years, but because it wasn't very good and it's gotten a little bit better. But we do it like a lot of people do those shows to like write orders. We've never viewed them as writing orders. It's really just like creating like a brand experience for people and fun. Like I, I've always been a big believer that like people, you know, want to buy from ultimate and they'll remember things that are like fun and energetic and, you know, and, like where, you know, they can actually meet the founder and they can come and, you know, hear from you. And like, but I don't sit there and say like, oh gosh, I've got to meet this buyer. Like, you know, that comes yeah. through. I'm definitely like putting yourself out in the right places. Yeah. And, and, I think, yeah, yeah. and I, and I think, you know, you touched on this earlier, but I think it's also, you know, I just think telling the story too, that I think that that's the other piece is that in being where, you know, your buyers are, I mean, definitely at, at, at a show like Expo West, but also just, you know, being visible. I mean, getting out there and talking about like why you did it. I mean, people are like, oh, you, you've been a PR machine. It's like, not really, like I've just taken the phone calls and, you know, done what I can do. And, you know, and, but more than anything, I think in some ways it's kind of been therapy for me because it's like, like I said, it's just, you know, building it on your own or, you know, it's just you and your husband, right. Doing it. Like, it's just, it can get, it can get hard and you're going to run into naysayers that are, you know, going to tell you you're doing it all wrong or, you know, or, you know, you're going to try and fund it. And, you know, it, it's, I was just talking to somebody, um, the other day that I was a part of her book and she was talking about Sarah Blakely and how, you know, I've heard Sarah Blakely talk about how she tried to get VC funding early on. And then she realized that like all of the guys literally that she was going to, like she's talking to them about pantyhose and they're like, oh, like you have that problem with pantyhose. They have no idea. And I mean, that was exactly for me, like I'm talking to them about like, a bunch of guys about Diet Coke, like the majority of people who drink Diet Coke are women, right? And so I'm sitting here talking to them about my addiction around Diet Coke. And they're like, wait, what? What? You have an addiction with Diet Coke? And, you know, and, and so, again, like, it's like, know your audience, like, know, you know, just because, like, you know, a bunch of guys don't give you money because, you know, they don't wear pantyhose. It doesn't mean that it's a bad yeah. idea. I think bottom of this story is that we need more VCs that are women. Yeah. <laughs> more women in uh, in funding. It's a crazy world. Yeah. Well, what has the funding journey been like for you guys? You for, know, for you? we've, I mean, we've raised a lot of money and, but we've also been really, you know, conscious about who we raise from. I think that that's like another piece of this too, that, you know, I mean, there will, there's one major firm that will go, you know, uh, without mentioning that, um, you know, is 
currently blowing up a bunch of people um, in, you know, a bunch of companies and, and people as well um, in the space. But it's so interesting because they were willing to give incredibly high valuations. Um, but for me that, you know, the source of the funding was the Saudi prince. Um, and, you know, I, I fundamentally and, you know, didn't believe that, you know, if I can't actually go to Saudi Arabia, um, as a woman, then why should I be taking money from them? And so for, for me, it was just a, uh, you know, I was willing to forego a high valuation in order to, you know, deal with people that like yeah. I actually could have in some morality. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think like, that's the thing. Like I, I, I meet so many, you know, people along the way and women in particular that are like, you know, what was I going to do? I, I would have had to shut the company down. And I mean, I've always had like the mindset, you know, not just with investors, but also, you know, with retailers that have said to us, I mean, back in, you know, we've been doing this longer than you, but back in 2008, 2009, I mean, it was, you know, heady time. And I mean, we had, you know, one major retailer in particular who was like, hey, if you want to stay, you know, on our shelves, then you need to give us product and we won't pay you. And I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. I mean, we're like trying to pay our bills too. And they were like, yeah, sorry. Like, we, we need to like stay in business. And I was like, okay, so we're not going to do that. And we walked away from that business. And like six months later, they called back because we had customers saying like, or customers were going to them saying, hey, you know, we want the product. So again, being able to like put stakes in the ground around, like what you can do and what you can't do, I think, you know, call it being authentic, but also calling it being smart and managing. Work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, you know, I, I tell people like every, almost every day, like, listen, you know, I'd still grab a beer with you and, you know, be able to have a conversation with you, but I'm not going to do that. Like, why would I do that business deal with you? That's dumb. Right. And so I think like that, you just got to keep your head on straight and really listen and really trust your gut more than anything as to who you're dealing with. Sound advice. I was going to ask if you had any other tips for yeah. entrepreneurs, but those are some great ones. Do you have anything Thank else? You. Well, no, like, I mean, I think know. I've told you everything and <laughs> yeah, definitely. And let me know when you're in San Francisco again, Absolutely. for sure. And if I can be helpful at all, I mean, I think that's, you know, I would say that's another piece of this too, that it's just, you know, I think it's like, you know, you've got to, you've got to really, um, you know, you've got to continue sort of being good, right. Yeah. To people and trying to help people along the way as best you can. It doesn't mean that you're going to run their business, but I think it's just like, you know, being helpful and being kind and being nice, I think is like, yeah. you know, it ultimately wins. And I think mm -hmm. that there's a lot, of people, I'm you know, <laughs> yeah, that's it, awesome. it's super huge. It's um, one thing I've learned about, I mean, entrepreneurship in general, but particularly coming into the food world, having also been yeah. back, uh, in my career before, it's like you come into this with, yeah, you might have a great idea for a great product. And, you know, maybe like I grew up baking as a kid, but I wasn't some trained pastry chef. So you really have to leverage, you know, your community to, um, yeah, get totally. that leg up. So as you start to learn it and you've got so much more tribal knowledge than, you know, I've even got yet. So it's nice to pass that on. I'll definitely take you up on that. 
Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you wrap it up. I'll let you go. And, you know, between the two of us, we got enough stuff to do today. Yeah. I'm sure. Do you have any um, places where people can get a hold of you and, you know, where yeah. can they find Hint? So, um, so you can get Hint on <laughs> retailers and uh, drinkhint.com as well as Amazon. And, uh, and then you can find me on most social channels, but I'm probably most active on Twitter um, at Kara Golden, K-A-R-A-G-O-L-D-I-N. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we're having a lot of fun. And if you're ever in San Francisco, oh, awesome. come over to Union Street and see our store and uh, it's super fun. It's such a cute store. I remember walking by it being like, they have a whole store here. This is yeah. great. So really, great. really cool. So nice to meet you. Yeah, um, you I too. hope that your book is called Take a Hint. I was thinking that would be You're a so great. You're so funny. Um, it's actually <laughs> called, un, it's called Undaunted. And oh, okay. it's, uh, yeah, totally different. So it's Undaunted. And obviously it's written by me, the founder and CEO of Hint. But yeah. it's, uh, but it's really, um, it's, we're still working on the subtitle, but I think it's, it's undaunted how to get over the doubts and the doubters and be resilient. And I think that it's a, um, it's a book of, uh, you know, a story, the, the story, um, not just of hint, but sort of my life and lessons yeah. that I've learned along the way, but it's also about like, you know, keep going and, mm-hmm. um, and know when to, you know, put stakes in the ground and, and sort of like, you know, trust your gut on stuff and, and diversify and lots of things that I shared here. Yeah. I feel like we got a little mini preview of the book. So you saw it here first. uh, (laughs) Well, thank you so much. You as well. It was really awesome. Um, Thanks everybody. Whoa. Thanks for listening to that whole podcast. You rock. All right, we hope you're leaving here today with even a smidge more inspiration than when you showed up. If you did, my job is done here. Subscribe to our podcast, follow us at Eat Dope, and if you're craving some cookie dough, and I mean, when are you not, order at dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com, and use code SOBERPODCAST for 10% off. Have a dope day.